Everyone say America's moral compass. Come on, everyone say it. America's moral compass. I want to begin this message today, as especially from the standpoint of that in a couple of days, we're going to, in fact, I've already been to the polls. How many of you already voted? Wow. I would, would you say 50%, 60%? That's pretty good. Uh, I've already voted. Uh, but in a couple of days, America will choose who's going to be the president for the next four years at least. And so a uh, very important time in the history of our church, uh, history of our state, and the history of our world, our nation and our world. And so uh, I want to kind of spotlight some thoughts today about America and uh, what I'll call her moral compass. And to introduce us to that uh, and, and, and kind of get, get us started is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And by the way, remember kids, it's first Sunday, so all the kids stay in. Parents, if you need a nursery, we have nursery provided. Uh, and so um, we hope that you'll be able to take advantage of that. Birth through three, I think. Something along those lines. If you need that, you can certainly take advantage of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We've looked at this many times from many different angles, and you could today. But it's going to help us understand something about, about the nation and the world we're living in. Paul the Apostle said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice... Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, that's just, that's just standard for people who love the Lord and call on the name of the Lord and confess Jesus as the Lord of their life, that they present their bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. And then verse 2, catch this. This is kind of where we want to look pretty strongly. And do not be conformed to this world. Everyone say, do not be conformed. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul the apostle encourages us and really commands us because how many of you know do not means do not. When you tell your kids do not do that, is that a divine suggestion? No, that's the command form. Do not do that. And, and here Paul comes along under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be what? Transformed. The Greek there is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis. How many of you know what metamorphosis is? That's being transformed from an ugly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly, a total transformation. In fact, that's what happens when we give our life to Christ. What did Paul tell the Corinthian church? If anyone is in Christ, he is a whole new what? Creation. Now, the Greek, there's a whole new species, a whole new creation. And so that's who we are in Christ. And Paul says, and how many of you know when he says, don't be conformed, that it certainly infers that in this world, there are issues and circumstances and belief systems and philosophies that endeavor to conform us into its image. How many of you have sensed the pressure of this world to conform you into its mindset? It's all around us. And America and her moral compass has been impacted by this negative pressures in the world. How many of you know the United States of America was based and built and founded upon godly principles? 
And I don't have time to validate that for you today. I would think that by now you probably have validated that yourself or there's so much available on the internet and our history books. In fact, uh, you know, secular people have tried to rewrite history, but you can't get around the fact that we were born and we were built and we were established in, in, in and underneath the governance of the biblical principles of, of God and his word. Amen. And so you'll have to, you'll have to trust me on that. And if you doubt me, you can begin to search out the genuine uh, background and history of, a, of our, I could bring you all kinds of quotes from Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and on and on and on I could go. And in fact, you read some of our founding documents, you realize they leaned heavily upon the divine providence of God. Somebody say amen. I don't know of another country that I, that you could say that about. But when you look at America today, you'll see she's lost her moral compass. Now, I can begin to identify some things today. In fact, recently, let me just say, I want to, uh, some of what you're here today is not original to me. In fact, probably not much of anything I've ever said is very original. There's other people influencing my life, but I read some information from Rick Warren uh, at Saddleback Church, and he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and man, he inspired me in some areas, so I want to give him kudos today for helping me a little bit, kind of get myself plugged into this morning. Uh, he, he shared this survey. This is an amazing thing about America and about the spiritual, the, 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 the spiritual uh, pulse, if you will, of America. There was a survey about spirituality in, in America. And here's the stats. 62% of Americans identified themselves as deeply spiritual. That sounds pretty good. 62% of Americans identified themselves not as just kind of, I believe, or yeah, maybe. They said, I am deeply spiritual. When you think deeply spiritual, you're thinking somebody who's really connected to God and his word. So 62% of Americans said that. But then out of that 62% of Americans who said that, the follow-up questions determined how their deep spirituality affected the choices that they made in life. So they asked these 62% of Americans who classified themselves as deeply spiritual, how does your spirituality impact the choices and the moral choices you make in America? Are you with me? Are you making your life? Now catch these alarming statistics out of those 62%. 31% revealed, 31% of these deeply spiritual Americans said they make moral choices based upon what feels right and is what is comfortable to them. How many of you know, just because it feels right, don't make it right? Look at your neighbor and say, just because it feels right, doesn't make it right. But 31% half... Of the deeply spiritual people said they make moral choices based upon how they feel. Let's look on. 18% of Americans out of the 62%, they make moral choices and decisions based upon what they feel is best for them. Uh, That's about all you need to say about that one, right? I make choices based upon what's best for me. 18%. Of those 62%, say, I make moral choices based on what's best for me. And then 14% revealed of this 62% of deeply spiritual Americans, 
they reveal that they make moral choices based upon whatever causes the least conflict with others. They're the people pleasers in life. Well, I, I just make my choices. I, I just don't want to rock the boat. So, hey, however you guys want to do it, I'm fine. Uh, you know, we'll just go along with the flow. And so we've got 31%, 18%, 14%, and now catch this. Only 16% of Americans, who cla- uh, which is only 62% of Americans, 16% of them define themselves as deeply spiritual. They're the ones that revealed that they make moral choices based upon what the Bible says. Only 16% of 62% of Americans make moral choices based upon what the Bible says. And so let's put the other 48% on the, sh- on the shelf for a moment. Let's just talk about these deeply spiritual uh, Americans. Understand something. What has happened? The moral compass of Americans has gotten way off track. We're basing the morality of America not based upon what the Bible says, but rather what we feel or what we think or what's best for me or whatever everybody else wants to do. And so what we need to realize today is that we've got to get back on track. We've got to get America back on track. America's conformity is obvious. Christian America has conformed to the pressures of this world rather than stay the course of being transformed by God Almighty. So let's talk about the conformity of Americans, Christian Americans, for a few moments. There's some influences in the world that is that that have made their way into our world, undoubtedly impacted the local church, undoubtedly impacted the kingdom of God, because Christianity uh, is uh, from the from a moral choice standpoint standpoint is in serious trouble. That's why you see alarming statistics in in the church. For example, the divorce rate is no different in the church than it is out of the church. And you see those kind of alarming kind of patterns. Why is it? Well, I want to tell you something. There's some influences in this world that we live in that have pressured us to conform into its image. Let me give you the four biggies that I believe you and I as Americans need to raise an eyebrow to and begin to turn the tide in our own life. The first one is this, materialism. Materialism in America is at an all-time high. What is materialism? Money is God. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Getting all you can and canning the rest, packing it up. How many of you know Jesus stands against that mindset? He knows that, hey, if, if you put mammon as your God, you're in serious trouble. You cannot serve God and money. You can, it cannot be your God. But in America and in the church, the spirit of materialism is invading the world. In fact, how many of you have heard some theology, uh, and I'll use that word loosely, some biblical teaching that sounds more like materialism than it does the, the word of God? Come on. Hey, let me just say, how many of you know God wants to bless us? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you. In fact, let me just say this. God wants to bless you a whole lot more than you're blessed right now. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Somebody say, amen. Come on now. There's nothing right. Hey, listen, God does not want us to have a poverty mindset. But understand something about God. He gives us all these resources and none of it belongs to us. It all belongs to God. But we began to, we began to worship the gift rather than the giver. 
And money becomes our God. And money has impacted, materialism has impacted the church. And Jesus said, Jesus said this when he's talking about covetousness in Luke 12. He said, a man's life in the abu- does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So materialism has pressured us and shaped our world and shaped our lives to conform into its image. We live in a materialistic world. Number two, the second thing that is pressuring us in this world to conform into its image is not only materialism, but it's hedonism. That's pleasure is God. Let me just throw this out to you. God is not super concerned about you having fun in life. But how many of you know the world we live in, it's all about me. It's all about, uh, hey, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. And we spend all our time, energy, and effort. In fact, when the, the spirit of materialism gets on us, come on now, follow with me for a minute, gets on us, and we work ourselves to the bone and work our fingers to the bone. And Beverly and I have learned, you, sometimes you work your fingers to the bone, you know what you get? Just bony fingers. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but we work our fingers to the bone and we get all this stuff and we think, okay, now we get all this stuff. Then we're going to sit back and enjoy it because it's all about enjoying life. It's all about pleasure. Listen, sometimes life is, has nothing to do with how good we feel. But the problem in the church is, come on now, people go to church based on whether it makes them feel good or not. Somebody raise your hand and go, Lord, help us. Come on, everybody, just raise it. Lord Jesus, help us. Come on, help us, Lord. Church isn't here just to make us feel good. Now, the, the cool thing is happiness and joy is not the, hey, that's not the purpose in life. That's not the purpose for your life is to be happy and smile and enjoy life and just be, be, you know, feel great and grand for the rest of your days. It's a byproduct of doing the will of God. God's not into uh, uh, to, to, to forcing us in, into things and, and, and making us have a bad day. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us the joy of the Lord. But that's not the focus of our life. But this world has conformed us into its image. Because remember, only 16% of those who call themselves deeply spiritual even care what the Bible says. It's materialism, hedonism. The third one is this, narcissism. Everybody say narcissism. You know, the materialist, he thinks money is God. The hedonist, pleasure is God. The narcissist says, I am God. You know, if you see this in every part of our, the culture we live in. How many of you see hedonism in, in songs we sing? You, you ever listen to some of the songs you... You're clapping and, and, you know, boogieing too on the country and western station. They're all hedonistic. If loving you is wrong, well, I don't want to do right. That's hedonistic. Because if loving you is wrong, I don't want to do right because loving you makes me feel so good. But then the narcissist comes along. And he says, you know, it's all about me. In fact, I saw Dr. Phil had a special on narcissism. I, I've just learned this word in the last few years after I, I had a friend of mine who I realized after a long season of trying to figure him out, I realized, well, bless God, he's a spirit-filled narcissist. <laughs> he t- 
talks in tongues, but it's all about him. Everything's got to come up in his benefit, in his behalf. You start a conversation with him, he'll never ask you about you. He's not, and if he does, it's to show you how bad you are and how good he was. For example, you want me to give you an example? He had a great church, had a big church. How many did you have in church Sunday? He didn't care how many I had in church Sunday. He just wanted to tell you how many more he had than you had because it was all about him. How many of you know the Bible is so contrary to this narcissist? In fact, we all have a little narcissism in us. You want me to prove it to you? We all have a little selfishness in us, right? Some of us are not full-blown. Have you ever met a full-blown narcissist? In fact, they, in fact, Dr. Phil had some people in there. These, this lady, she looked like she was demon-possessed, but she was confessing it. She said, I know I am. It's all about me. He said, my favorite place in, in my house is the bedroom, a bathroom. I've got mirrors everywhere so I can see me. I'm going, I bet she's fun to live with. In fact, it's invaded the, the church to the point that now it's invaded our, the way we worship God. Let me throw you out a little, a little food for thought, and then I'm going to show you a little video clip. And I'm going to say this nicely. A lot of songs that we call worship are really not worship songs. They're songs that may in some way thank God for what he's done for me. Now think about that for a moment. When you sing a song, ask yourself, is this focusing on me or is it focusing on him? Let me show you a little commercial that just begun to run here. Let's, let's throw it up. It, it just reveals the narcissistic society that has invaded the church. It is all about you. Now the greatest collection of me worship ever assembled on one CD. It's all about All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends, if you have any. Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique, and you love you. There is none like me. All this for only $19.95. Operators are standing by to serve you. And I am why I sing, and I am why I live. If you order now, you'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. Call 1-800-MEET-ME-ME or order online at meetmyselfandi.com. Call today because no one can praise you like you. Oh my goodness, me worship. Now that's a little funny, but how many of you know, what's he saying there? Come on, America. Narcissism has invaded our world and conformed us to think it's all about us. In fact, the, the, the most wealthy, I think the wealthiest company on the planet is Apple, right? Am I right? Now they're just blatant with it. How many of you have the iPhone? How many of you have the iPad? 
How many of you have the new I mini pad or whatever? Oh, that's bad. The I, I mini, that's terrible. That's terrible. Cut that one right out of there. How many of you ever been on, this is old, but how many of you ever been on MySpace? How many of you ever watched YouTube? It's all about me. It's narcissism. Conformed us. And we think it's all about us. It's interesting to me, Rick Warren, the greatest, one of the, 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 the biggest selling book in the world other than the Bible, The Purpose Driven Life, the first statement in it, the first sentence is, it's not about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. I've said that before. I made some people mad because they've got a little narcissism in it. And they, I've actually had people say this back to me through someone else. They don't look me in the face. They say, well, pastor, sometimes it is all about me. I know. Ask your husband or ask your wife. They know it is all about you. It's narcissism. Another thing that's pressuring us in the world we live in is not only materialism where it says money is God and hedonism that says pleasure is God and narcissism that says I am God. But here we go. I'm going to be, this is going to sound a little political. Socialism. That means government is God. And could I tell you today when a nation begins to lose focus of its core foundations of of God and His Word, they lose focus that God is God, then they've got to find something to take the place of God because the nature of man is to be submitted to some God or some authority in life. So to, to take the place of a great void, socialism eases its way into our culture where government is God. And can I tell you, every country, every nation uh, 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 in the world, both now and then, that God was not the kingdom, the, the God of their kingdom. Socialism makes its way into the culture and government begins to be God. And could I tell you in America today, we've got more people leaning on the government than ever before. Thinking the government is going to give. In, in fact, you can see it. They treat the government just like we might tr- trust God. Well, he's just going to give me everything I need. God's going to bless me. Because he's my God. And some people look at the government like it's their God. It's socialism. Creeps in and pressures us. And today in our culture and in our nation, socialistic mindset is is beginning to take over in the world we live in. And we've got to turn the tide. The moral compass of America has to turn around and begin to get reestablished and refocused and retweaked and recalibrated upon God and his word. Somebody say amen. Where does it begin? Well, uh, some people say, well, I'll tell you where it begins. It begins uh, Tuesday morning, bless God, when I cast my vote. That's not where it begins. It doesn't begin in the ballot box. It begins in the prayer room. It begins with our hands and our hands lifted high and our face bent low, yielding ourselves once again to the ministry of God in our life. Let me just give you some things today for it. Cause it begins. Hey, you know what the Bible says? Judgment begins where? At the house of the Lord. Everyone say judgment begins at the house of the Lord. 
So let me give you some things. I don't know where you are in this statistic that I gave you a few moments ago. I got a feeling you're not the norm. You're here this morning. Uh, I, I got a feeling that, that very possibly because you're here to hear the Bible preach this morning that you would line yourself up with the 16% of Americans who say, I make my moral choices and I live my life based upon what they, thus saith the Lord, not based upon how I feel, not based upon the trends of the day, not based upon what's best for me. Uh, I base my choices based upon what God says and what's best for him. I trust that's the case with you today. But in case there's some, in case there's a little narcissism rising up in you somewhere, in case there's a little socialistic thinking that is creeping into your world or a little hedonistic thing that, hey, in fact, I met a lady one day. She said this to me years ago. She said, preacher, I spent 20 years of my life serving God in his church. And she said, now it's all about me. I did my time, preacher. I went, ooh. I started ducking out. I'm... Let me give you some things you and I have got to do in order to recalibrate our moral compass. The first one is this. From Romans chapter 12, we need to yield ourselves to the transforming power of the governance of God in our life. That's what Romans 12 is all about. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That's a big statement right there. He's beseeching. He's begging. He's imploring. He's challenging. He's, he's pleading with us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service of worship. What's he saying? Every part of our life, our body, our mind, our soul, every part of us yielded to the governance of God, submitted to the thus saith the Lord in our life. Not leaning upon some socialistic mindset that some organization, let me tell you something, you're, it's not your boss's job to take care, care of you. Come. Wait a minute. Come on. If we start leaning on something other than God Almighty and his governance in our life, we're in serious trouble. So if we're going to recalibrate our moral compass because, hey, 16%, only 16% of deeply spiritual people in America consider themselves uh, uh, as those who would adhere to the word of God. I got a feeling in this room today, some of us need to recalibrate our moral compass and get back to the reality that Jesus has got to be Lord of every area of our life. He's in charge. And what he says counts. Number two, we've got to yield ourselves not only to the transforming power of the governance of God, but we've got to yield ourselves to the transforming power of the Word of God. You see, a lot of people carry it around, but not near as many people follow through. We've got a lot of believers in the world who are not basing their, their decisions in life upon what the Bible says. I have come face to face with this more times than I care to admit in my pastoral ministry. I have people look me in the eyes and they have no biblical basis for a divorce. They have no biblical basis for shacking up. They have no biblical basis for doing the things they do. And I look at them and I say, wait, I understand all these things. I, hey, I got, I got it. I got it. I understand you got a lot of reasons, but I got to ask you something today. What does the Bible say? Because this is the firm foundation of our life. This is from where we get our strength and stability. Are you with me today? 
We've got to yield ourselves to what does the Bible say? Because, hey, listen, if you, go how, if you go based on how you feel, if you make moral choices based upon how you feel, oh, one day, I feel good. And you make some of the stupidest mistakes. And you wake up one day and you say, OMG. What have I done? A few of them have come back to me and said, Pastor, I wish I'd have listened to you. When you said build your life on the Word of God, not how I feel, not what the, what the winds of this world are blowing in, based upon what the Bible said. Are you with me? We recalibrate our moral compass by yielding ourselves to the governance of God. By yield. In fact, that's what Romans 12 is all about. When he said, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. You see, this world is, is this is the battleground of the, of the world we live in is our mind. And whatever has the control of your mind has the control of your life. If the Word of God is invading your mind, if you're meditating on the law of the Lord, my Bible tells me in Psalm 1, you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which yields its fruit and its season, its leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he do, does will prosper. But if you got your mind all hung up in, in materialism, or all hung up in narcissism, or all hung up in hedonism about what, it, what makes you feel good, you're going to be in serious trouble. Listen to me, understand something. It's the Word of God that we build our life on. It will withstand the test of the storms of life. Are you with me? It's the Word of God. I love, I love the Word of God, especially in this context. Proverbs 3. Turn over there for a second. We got 10 or 12 minutes. Proverbs chapter 3. Let me show you this. This, will, this, this chapter, this verse, set of verses alone will wash out the narcissistic, hedonistic, socialistic, materialistic mindset of your life. Listen. My son, do not forget my law. We can say the word of God. But let her, but let your heart keep my command. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. There's some of that. That'll deal with that, that pleasure issue. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. There's some governance of God. He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's, that's uh, hedonism. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. That'll deal with the materialism of life and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son 
son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. There's governance, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains. Oh, I could just keep going. I could just keep going and going and going because this, my friend, will get you firmly established on the destiny of God for your life. But when we live our life based upon how we feel, Lord Jesus, you know, if I was saved based upon how I feel this morning, let me just throw this up. Beverly and I, we had a, we, we needed the car seat for Ty because he stayed with us. The window stayed down and the car seat got wet. Have you ever tried to take one of those apart and put it back together? I almost threw the thing off into the darkness. It got me. If I was saved based on how I felt right now, I'd be lost and on the way to devil's hell right now. If I'd made decisions on that moment, I'd be in serious trouble. Hey, listen, it's the word of God. Somebody says the word of God. In fact, let me say to you in the coming year, we're going to build our lives more firmly on the Word of God than ever before here at Church on the Rock North. And so, hey, we've got to yield ourselves to the governance of God. We've got to yield ourselves to the, our, our lives to the transforming power of the Word of God. Number three, we've got to yield ourselves to the transforming power of the will of God. Somebody say the will of God. That'll deal with that, that, uh, that selfish mindset. It's not about you. It's about God's will for your life. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? By yielding yourself to the Word of God, by meditating on the law of the Lord. You yield yourself to the word of God. It'll change you the way you think. And then he says that you may prove, see, listen, you got to change the way you think based upon what the Bible says in order to change the way you act and fulfill God's will. You know why most people never fulfill the will of God? Because they never let the word of God change the way they think. They're trying to live life from a secularistic, humanistic, socialistic, hedonistic, materialistic mindset. And somehow they expect God to come down and just sprinkle blessing dust all over them. Got to change the way we think. So we can do the will of God. Somebody say the will of God. And number four, we've got to yield ourselves to the transforming power of the presence of God. That's where the first Corinthians 13 verse comes in. Verse 18, he says, but we all with unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. There's that word again. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, when you get in His presence and you begin to focus on Him and you realize it's not about you, it's not about making the mighty dollar. Thank God for, you know, the Bible says man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Thank God for the blessings He's given us, but it's not about our money. It's about Him. It all belongs to Him. And you get your focus off yourself and you get your focus off your, your, your business and all your stuff and you get it on Him. The Bible says when you begin to focus on him and you get in his presence the transforming power come on he'll change the way you are he'll change the spirit of God will come upon you and he'll begin to transform you more into the image of Jesus Christ that's the way you get changed by the word of God and by the will of God and by the presence of God in your life and you're not conformed 
but you're transformed. Where does it begin? It begins with us. Let me tell you something about America. America's hedonistic, materialistic, narcissistic, socialistic strongholds has caused us to lose our moral compass. Let me tell you some things we've lost in America because we, we lost our moral, moral compass. We lost the sanctity of life. God help us. God help us. This has become the norm. The law of the land. Oh, okay. And somehow our hearts have been callous to the reality that millions of little babies never arrived into their purpose. Let me tell you something. There's no accidental children. There's accidental parents, but there's no accidental children. There's a big argument in America about this, but let me tell you something. At the point of conception, the co- it doesn't matter how you feel. It's what does the Bible say? We've lost the sanctity of, of life. And let me tell you something, and, and, and this is, this, we, we've not only lost that in America, but we've lost the sanctity. I'm going to say it out loud, even it's fourth, fourth Sunday, the kids are at, or the first Sunday, we've lost the sanctity of sex. Immorality in America is the norm. It's okay. Why? Because people are making decisions based upon what makes them feel good, not on what the Bible says. Listen, listen. Relationship, sexual relationship outside of marriage is wrong, according to the Word of God. It is wrong. It has always been wrong. It will never not be wrong. Are you with me? We've lost that. Hey, I don't want to sound hopeless today, but listen, we're in serious trouble in America when it comes to morality. We've lost our absolute, lost our moral compass. And what used to be so wrong is now just so right. How could it be wrong if it feels so right? We've lost our moral compass. We've lost the sanctity or the holiness of, of life. We've lost the, the sanctity of sexual relationship within the, within the boundaries and the governance of marriage. And number three, we've lost the sanctity of marriage. To the homosexual agenda that is trying to redefine what marriage really is. Listen, it, hey, we can argue all, listen, you can argue all you want and we can do it about health care. You want to do that? We can do that. Because the Bible has nothing to say about health care. It's, it's a point of argument. We can, we can argue, we can debate. Come on, let's get it on. All those kind of things we can do. But let me tell you something. You cannot argue and you cannot debate what the Bible says about marriage. It's between a husband and a wife. It always has been and it always will be. Somebody say amen. America's lost her moral compass. Yeah, we can... We need to vote. Yes, we do. But judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Where we yield ourselves to the governance of God all over again. We yield ourselves to the Word of God. All over again, we yield ourselves to the presence of God and to the will of God 
all over again and reset the moral compass of the church. For the church is in trouble. She's lost her way. Making choices based upon how she feels. God help us. Making moral choices based upon what everybody else thinks is right. God help us. How about you? How about you? Let's stand together.